This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Hi, Ryan. Well, I'm Kate Ross, and I understand you're not quite sure how to introduce me today, so I'm going to let you all know about myself. Um, I've come to join you today to talk about, I guess, recruitment and how we see the generations and what's changing out there. So I've been in recruitment for 23, 24 years, a company called Kinetic. Um, and over the years, I've set up a couple of businesses as focusing on the younger side, which is Swivel, and then predominantly um, Wise Ones, which focuses on the, the older generation and helping them get work. Wow, hey, the the listeners will be glad that it was actually an intro that made sense. Normally it takes 10 to 15 minutes before people know who I'm I've talking rehearsed. to. I've rehearsed. You rehearsed? I've rehearsed, Practice yeah. in the mirror? Yeah, in the mirror. Good man. <laughs> Good lady, should I say. Um, <laughs> so also as well as, I mean, obviously you get the lay of the land, your professional career, but mm-hmm. part of your passion with helping the younger ones, I imagine, it was you wanted to find purpose yourself as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of um, trying to help others stems from empathy. Totally. And your own experiences. So what was your journey? You're coming out of school and you're like, I, I know exactly what I want to do. No, completely the opposite. So um, I had a bit of a rough upbringing. So it was a bit of a rocky road through my junior and into my you know school years. And I went to boarding school, which I loved actually. Um, end of my sixth form, so year, what, 12, I think these days they call it. Um, I decided I was going to leave school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, my father said to me, oh, you're going to end up in Kmart. You know, you're going to be a can operator. That's all you're going to do. And I'm nothing wrong with being at Kmart, but just saying you know, he had no hopes and just thought I'm going to fade away into the distance. Nice, helpful guy. So um, I got on a plane, actually, and I went overseas, and I had nowhere to go. So I just jumped on a plane and landed in San Francisco. Um, and I went into a, a boarding hostel at 16 and fell into a, into a nanny role hmm. um, for a family, which I lived there for 12 months. And then I traveled the world for five years. Um, I spent time in the States. I spent time in the UK. I went into Japan. I kind of flew all, all over the place and I roughed it. Like I, um, sold, um, basically, um, you know, bikinis in the South of France. I cleaned houses in Germany. I did whatever I could to make money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I came home after that, um, after living in the States for five and about a year and a half, which I had a great job. And I, probably in my early 20s, and I still had no idea what I wanted to do. But by then I was feeling about 45 because obviously I'd been away for so long and um, felt like I needed to do something for myself. So I came back home and um, thought, what am I going to do? And I actually just fell into recruitment. I went to Wellington. I walked the streets of Lambton Quay. Someone offered me a job, and away I went, and I just love it. And I still love it 20-plus years later. Wow. Yeah. 
Crazy story. Yeah, I didn't expect it. You were late. Obviously, uh, Jordan, the, the guy does the audio, and myself, we're, we're big travelers. Yeah. I went around Australia living in a tent for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, been to 17 countries now. $10 a week on food. Yeah, I was about the same. Yeah. I People felt so sorry for me. They actually, The lady who I cleaned houses for fed me before I actually cleaned a house. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she was a nice lady. Gave me blankets. Felt very sorry for me. But I was, it was roughing it. But you know what? It taught me great things. Um, and I learned a lot from it, and I wouldn't change it. What would you say the biggest lessons you've had through that, um, the challenges? Resourcefulness, okay. um, being open to do anything to get cash. Like you just can't be fussy. <laughs> well, there is a, actually there is a limit. There's a limit. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a limit. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see him laughing behind me. So, nah, yeah, yeah. Nah, there, there, Jordan would laugh. Yeah, yeah. He's so there is a limit. Um, so we'll pull that back slightly. Um, <laughs> but just being, um, I guess, you know, being yourself, just loving it, you know, just being whatever, I'll do it, get into it, move on, next. Mm. Um but having to be responsible at some at such a young age was pretty for long too. You know, when you're 16, 17, roaming the world with no support and, you know, there was no emails or no anything back there. You're pretty much you're writing the old-fashioned letter, sending it home. Mm. Um, it was all different, you know? Yeah, wow. Yeah. So so you went into recruitment and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, this seems okay. And, yeah. then, and then suddenly you, I'm, I'm going to start my business? What was that mindset like? Yeah, so I came back and I had um, quite a bit of cash saved from traveling and living in the States. I had a good job my final two years there. Mm. So I bought a house. Um, God, yeah, That's I, the reverse of traveling. Yeah, I know. come back broke. No, I came back with a bit of cash. I yeah. got serious towards the end. Okay. Um, so I came back with a bit of cash, bought a house, and then I thought, shoot, I've got to pay the bills. And I recruitment I thought would be great because it's all based on your own ability. So you get a base salary, but then if you do well at it, you can earn great money because it's all based on your self motivation. And I'm a pretty self motivated person. Seems so. Yeah, trying to get on your level. (laughs) So I basically just worked my butt off, and um, within the first three months, I was you know doing really well, and I was you know flying and paying the bills. And then what happened was about two years or so into the job. Um, a number of consultants left the business to form another recruitment agency. Um, and I decided to do my own one. So I literally just walked across the other side of the street. It was literally, you know, 20 meters away, rented an office in my mid twenties. No idea how to run a company, but figured, oh, well, I can recruit. So I'll figure it out as I go. And I literally did that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then set the office up and realized I've got bills to pay. So I needed to get out and about. And so I just kind of learned as I went. Um, were there sketchy moments when you started or doubts? You're like, oh, I don't want to ring the phone or I don't oh, want to do no, this. Oh, no, 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 not one iota. No I one. was super excited. Oh, okay. Like I was like I was super excited. I was pumped. You know, you have your own business. You're in your 20s. I'm going to nail it. I know what I'm doing. Um, so there wasn't any of those kind of like what have I done moments. In fact, I was just loving it. The market was great, so it was good timing. Hmm. The the moments you have where you think, what the heck, is like the recession. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was like a, a beating. Yeah. That was a beating. Yeah. Is that what somewhere in the middle there? Or are you talking COVID? Yeah, that or was ninety eight. Um, oh, was yeah. when it when it kind of hit, and okay. I had you know a number of offices then, and um, it was a really hard time, really tough time. So, do you look back on like what unraveled there, or was it completely out of your control? Oh, completely or? out of your control. Uh, the but the business was pumping, the business was going great, but when you have a global meltdown, there's nothing you can do. Um, so I remember walking into the office in October of 98 and you know I had 40 odd staff in the Wellington in the Auckland office by then um we had a couple of offices and um the phones just stopped ringing just literally stopped ringing mm. and so we I, I thought what the heck's going on and then it just everything just closed down and closed down and closed down and then you realize that this is just not a blip this is a long-term 
cow and guts. Mm. And so I had to get rid of staff. It was just probably one of the worst times of my life, to be honest. Um, it probably is the worst time of my life. You know, you know, you just shutting down offices, making people redundant, um, cutting everything back to running things on an oily rag. It was just, yeah, it was a lot to handle on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're responsible for all these people and you're feeling for all these people and they're coming to you, um, feeling, you know, you're running a sales team and there's no one out there to, to sell to. Um, and there's people losing jobs everywhere and clients are coming to you for help. Um, and so you ended up being counselors for two years. You know, it was tough. It was real tough. Jeez, yeah, no. There'll be a lot of business owners in a similar frame of mind now. Yeah. Is there something you could give in terms of advice to mm. them and what they're going through? So, that that um, situation helped me with COVID immensely. Okay. So I reacted on a dime. So I didn't kind of like wait to see what's going to happen like I probably did last time or is it going to get better because you just didn't know or, you know, there's that hesitation around what do you do next because you just don't – I just thought, right, shite has hit the wall. I'm going to react real fast. Mm. And so that's what I did. I reacted really quickly. So with COVID, which was of another kind of situation again, um, basically I, you know, we're corporate recruiters. Um, we deal in the other areas as well, specialties in medical and IT and blue collar, but fundamentally that's what we, we look after. We became, um, essential placement workers overnight. So overnight I had every consultant ringing every food outlet in New Zealand, what we can do. And we started working with people at doing night shifts, putting, you know, stocking shelves. Our temps went all into the, all the corporate temps that were looking at, you know, earning 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour. We're going in and earning it, um, you know, minimum pay just to get some kind of cash. And so we had to pivot incredibly fast. And on top of that, I just cut Everything and anything in the business, like anything that wasn't glued to the wall, it was going. Mm. Um, every order was stopped. Um, there was no ordering of anything. Um, I had to look at all my staff and I, you know, I kept all bar, I think two through that time. Um, but that was, that was, you know, really great. Um, thank goodness. But we just had to hunker down. I got rid of offices. Um, in fact, I was in the process of getting rid of offices anyway. I was thinking of changing the way that we worked in yeah. regards to doing things. So it was kind of actually quite good timing. We looked at technology and changed the way we worked internally. So um, it was good timing for that, and we have enjoyed that change. Actually, that's been a really good change. Um, the flexibility that's come into the business and the way that we deal with clients is, um, and the way we recruit is slightly different too now. So that's been positive. But, um, yeah, you know, I think that that recessionary um, beating absolutely helped me through COVID. That's the biggest thing. It's like when hardship finds you in your life, your your tendency is to, to run mm-hmm. or to shy away from Yeah, what's that, flight or jump? Fight or flight. flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fight or jump, though, yeah. sounds more yeah, fun, yeah. <laughs> less, less intimidating. I find when, personally for me, if I get backed into a wall, I come out harder. Mm. So, you know, I don't retreat. Like, I see problems as solutions. I look at a problem and go, right, what do I need to do to fix this? Not like... Holy heck, let's try and shove it under the, you know, doormat and let's make it. I don't, I've never been like that. Mm. I look at it as a challenge to try and fix it and make it better. And you're not going to fix everything and you're not necessarily going to make everything better, but there will be an outcome. And yep. that, that means you can write that outcome off. You can clean it off the plate and you can move on to the next thing. Otherwise, it just sits over top of you, you know? I think yeah. it's always valuable coming across people that have experienced that and been successful throughout it because you start to see similarities and traits. I mean, everyone's different and unique yeah. in their own way, but. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't met a business owner that hasn't met hardship yet. So, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite the one that, like, when I, my back's against the wall, I'm, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah. I don't want to do this. Oh, fuck it. And then I just, like, walk through it. 
But, uh, so what would um? There's another passion that you talked about because ties into your experiences when you were young. You took off. You weren't sure what you mm-hmm. wanted to do, and that we've talked about it on the podcast prior um, about career advisors and mm-hmm. helping give our young kids uh, purpose. So yeah. it's one of the things you're doing. Yeah, I feel very passionately about that. Um, one, obviously because of what I went through, but also probably more so I've got two teenagers, you know, and I talk to their friends and I see the situation and I also see a, such a large number of, you know, students and kids that have come through university or coming into the business, uh, into the recruitment company and having a chat to us about, you know, their first job and they've got a $60,000, $70,000 debt and they want to sit on reception. <laughs> You know, and there's nothing wrong at all. Sitting on reception is a great place to start. But why have you accumulated that debt? You know, if you've gone to university, like you could have left school and could have sat on my reception. You see what I mean? Mm. So I've, I'm a firm believer there's a role for everybody. I believe there's a path for everyone. But what I do feel is that we as grown ups and people who have been it and people who know how to do this need to help. Um, the younger generation find themselves because it's tough out there right now. I mean, they say it's, it actually is really hard. The, the landscape is changing every day. The requirements from clients, um, what's acceptable, what's not, what's available, you know, what to study, what not to study, um, the pressures from them, the diverse way of working. Mm. You know, it's, it's not like you're going into businesses these days and you're working with a team and you're working your way up the ladder. It's, it's people are coming and going. There's like over what 30% of, Vacancies, I got told in the CBD right now and, and corporate, you know, floors because everyone's working from home. Mm. So where, if you're a newcomer coming into a student coming into a corporate, where are you going to train and learn from now? You know, who's going to give you that mentoring because you're going to have to work from home and be that flexible person. So it's a, t- it's a tough gig. Um, so I set up a company called Swivel Careers, um, which, uh, looks after students uh, we work with in schools and obviously um, independently um, and work with kids, you know, predominantly year 10, 11, 12 and 13, helping them find their passions. And it's based on themselves, what their core drivers are, because we're all made up differently. Um, but a science with psych, with psych testing, um, one-on-one um, coaching through, um, you know, some processes that we put in place and some workshops and books that we work through. But it's a very comprehensive program and it works a treat and it's great. And it gives the, the that individual a purpose and we all need a purpose whether you've got money or you don't have money everybody needs a reason to get out of bed we all need a purpose we interrupt this message just to let you know that there's a free consultation anyone that listens to this podcast there's a link at the bottom just click on it reach out and we'll see if we can add value just the only thing we ask if you're paying off debt that should be your number one focus the two people we can help are either working towards a goal like saving for their first home or someone that's paid off debt and worried about retirement. So if you want a bit of guidance and a bit of help, reach out. Don't let money come between you and a better future. It's the same thing with leadership as well. I mean, the old analogy, you wouldn't get on a bus if you don't know where it's going. That's right. That's exactly right. Do you, was it hard getting, like, other kids approaching you, or did you get into the schools? Because if you got into the schools, tell me how. <laughs> both. So it's a bit of both. Okay. Right? So I've got a team that goes out and um, goes into the schools and talks about what we do and they contract us in. Um, and then so obviously we've got a group of parents out there, a lot of parents out there who have got these, you know, teenagers that don't have a clue what they want to do, but they have all the skill sets, but not, don't know exactly what direction they want to do. So they come on, they ring us and say, hey, listen, what kind of program can I put my child through or my uh, student through, parents, whatever? Yeah. yeah, parents. Yeah, it's come from the mum and dads. That you makes know, sense. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I look at my 
two kids and I go, jeepers creepers, they've both been through the program, you know, and mm. it's really helped them. I don't deal with it, so I've got coaches that do it independently. It's all very confidential and it's between that and the student and mum and dad are not included in the process because it's very important that sometimes they don't get involved because it's got to come from them. Mm. But, yeah, the, the feedback goes back to the parents later on and, you know, we get a great outcome. That's interesting. So your effective customers mm-hmm. are the parents, yeah. but they're not knowing if it's going well or not. It's well, they know. They look at the child. Oh, and no, they go, know. I mean, the kids are pretty vocal. Okay. Yeah, they come in lost and they come out excited. Okay. So you do get a report back from us and you do get a you know, written report and you do get feedback along the way. And, and obviously, you know, as a student, you'd go home and talk to mum and dad about what's going on with the program. We encourage that. Um, but what I'm saying is we don't want mum and dad sitting in the room <laughs> while we're going through the program because some parents – We'll say, no, you're going to do this. And the other child, and the child's going, well, the student's going, no, I want to do that. And we don't want to get into that kind of, because it's all about them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a common narrative where the, the parents' expectations are put on the child and they're not necessarily, or the child's trying to do the opposite of what their parents do. So the parents yeah. do play a huge part. I can tell you a story. So recently we had a parent who had been paying for um, a, thir- a year 13 boy to do flying lessons for over a year. He hated it. That he did not want to do flying lessons, but mm. the dad goes, no, 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 you're going to be a you're going to do flying lessons, and to the point where the dad goes, oh, I don't know what to do. So we met with him. <laughs> don't tell him to do something he doesn't yeah. want to do. Yeah, we met with him uh, and, the, and the son, and the son came in and did the program, and he went off in the environmental route, and he was so excited because that was his passion. It was like environmental, and the dad just said, great. We've finally found something that you like. And, you know, mm. I know it's just a, it's a crazy twist. But I think when you see that, that your son or your daughter really excited about something and then you think, oh, finally, you know, that's great. We've got something they're keen on. And they, it's all self-driven. There's nothing better. Do you, do you find there's, there's common uh, reasons why parents might um, project on a, a career or purpose that's not necessarily right mm. for the child? Like is it? It's an insecurity or the, a fear that they're not going to be looked after as the parents' experience? I think it? it's a combination of lots of things. I think it's parent-peer pressure from what other parents are talking about, other people <laughs> yeah. are doing. You know, there's that kind of chit-chat that goes on. You know, my son's doing this, my daughter's doing that. Well, my kid is completely lost and hasn't got a clue and he's gaming all day. Um, <laughs> hey, it could be a yeah, successful yeah, career. 100%, there's a lot of money in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's that. I think that... Um, I think that now I've forgotten the question. Just list why parents would do that, you know. Oh, sometimes it's, um, oh, you know, you always think, is it that person, because they didn't do it, are they putting that expectation on that child, you know? Is it they want to be, they see their child as being super successful? You know, we've had parents come and say, my my student is, my boy or girl is really, really bright. They, they could be a doctor. And then when you actually talk to them, <laughs> not so sure. <laughs> They haven't done sciences, they really hate it, and they don't want to do biology and blah, 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 blah. So no, I don't think they're going to be a doctor. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's just reassessing things and just putting things in the right frame, you know? Do you, like, um, when I used to manage the sales team, the number one reason they would quit is because of what they went home to. Mm-hmm. Do you give the kids tools on how to communicate their vision to the parents? Because that's one thing. Yeah. You've got this idea and then the environment starts to cripple the idea. Absolutely. So there's a workbook. Okay. That they they um they work through, and then we encourage them to um as they go along if they want to discuss um that with the workbook. So some parents will come in and go, 
um, okay, I'm not sure about the program. How does it work? Which is totally fair enough because, you know, it costs money and they want a good outcome. But as the student goes through the one-on-one coaching and as they go further down the track and they can see the changes and the investigation and the, the tools they've been given and the uh, psych testing that gets done, it, 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 it's just a process and it evolves. And the, 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 as you longer you go into the process, the more excited that student becomes and more communicative. They come with their mum and dad and go, hey. Mm. And so the whole conversation gets lighter and better and more excited. So everyone kind of buys into it. Um, so by the end of it, we get it. We honestly, we've had, we get great results. We've had no complaints. We've had thousands and thousands of kids go through this program and we get no complaints. Everyone loves it. Mums and dads. Is it like, so obviously you're passionate about it. Yeah. Is it, is there, is it strategic as well from a business sense? You're, you're future-proofing the business, you're building rapport and giving purpose to kids. Absolutely. And then you've got the wise ones on the tail end, yep. so then you're just like Yeah, so it, do, it does feed through. So we get great talent and we see great talent from the students that are coming out. So what we're seeing in recruitment from, you know, from Kinetic is that, you know, Clients are now sometimes, you know, they go into universities and try and pull great talent in the engineering space or in the IT space or something like that. They're actually jumping universities sometimes and going straight into schools because that's becoming that competitive. So they're headhunting talent and seeing where they're going. So I guess with um, Swivel is that we see really good talent. Um, and we're able to say to that talent, or that, that student, hey, listen, you know what? We with Kinetic, we can actually find you a spot as a an intern, or if you want some holiday work. Mm. And so it, it parallels all the way through, and it works great um, because it gives them that taste of experience. So they're interested in IT, for example, and doing some development, or if they're interested in doing whatever it may be, um, because of the, the the vast amount of clients and networks we have through the recruitment business, we're able to set them up and do some. Um, I guess some work experience and just get them a bit of a taste of what it's going to be like. Yeah, it's yeah, smart. It's yeah. good. It's great. It's, it's so rewarding, you know, and that's what it's all about. It's like, you know, when you've been in recruitment for as long as I have, something's got to keep you in the game. Yeah. You know, it does. You've got to keep remaining interested. And I'm someone that if I get bored, I'm out real mm. quick. I, I, I'm either in or out. That's the kind of person I am. And I just love seeing people do well. And I love seeing the underdog do well. And I love finding a purpose for people. And so if I can, I guess it's that empathy side that we talked about. You know, I've probably got a very high empathetic side, even though my staff probably would say no. <laughs> no, I have. But um, I think that, um, that you know, the reward is it's making people feel satisfied and happy and, you know, going home feeling good about themselves. That's good. It's really good. So what's the, the long term of it? You've done this 24. Yeah. Borderline kind of boring because you've done it so long. Yeah. How are you gonna? How are you gonna? What's the ten shake year dream? Yeah. What's, yeah what do you up. want? To happen? Yeah. So I think you know with the wise one side, which is the, obviously the, the the next step up. Um, for me, you know, Kinetic is a very established business. It's doing really well. We're just you know we keep evolving as we do. Um, with regards to the other two businesses that kind of feed into the brand, um, it's just keeping that moving. You know, it's just, it's they're still young in comparison in regards to you know going to market and, and getting going and working with it. Um, so I'm just looking forward to seeing how that goes. Like I get restless. I get bored. And I tend to, I'm a, look, I'm a true entrepreneur. I keep creating things. I kind of create a mess and then I think, jeepers, now I've got to sort it all out and I kind of, you know, ground it. Do you it. have someone that ground? Oh, like, 100%. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. I'm 100% like that. Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm one of these people that will come up with an idea. I can ground the idea, but I need people around me to pick up the pieces because yeah. I'm like a million miles an hour and you know, so I've got a great so like, team. Oh, Kate, go! Oh, here she goes. Yeah, that's, again. that's exactly right. In fact, I'm really, I'm really bad when I go on holiday because that's when I got space to think. Oh, yeah. So people back. dread when I come back. They go, God, you know, because they're not going to come back with lists and I'm pummeling the emails or text messages on because I have a bit of space to 
just to reflect. Yeah. Do you like so? Obviously, it sounds like innovation is a potential strength of yours. Is it how you um, encourage that in an organization, or is it driven from the top and then people just fall in line and? Try and make it happen, or where does how do you create innovation in a culture? Look, I think um, innovation. I think the most important thing is um, allowing people to talk and having the the freedom and knowing that everyone's got your backs. You know, I'm a big believer in like if I come up with an idea, I can't push my idea on someone if they don't believe in it and buy in it. So if I come up with an idea, I'll go I'll get everyone together. Hey, listen, guys, I'm thinking this. What do you think? And they will come up with better ideas. You know, it's a combination of us all discussing about it because I will bring up part of it, but everyone else will have an idea on that idea. And for me, that's the ultimate because you're getting a really robust you know, a solution or, or whatever you're doing, you're trying to achieve. Um, and then they're also buying into what you're trying to do. So I think that creates innovation. I think that curriculum creates um, a way that you can talk about anything. Like we at, at work are very open in the way we talk. We've, you know, we give each other a hard time. We've come up with lots of ideas. We'll shoot people down, but we'll laugh at them, you know, but it's not personal. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. not personal. It's just like a bit of a, it's you a know, sales team. it's a, yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a sales team, you know, <laughs> you got to be a little robust. Yeah. Um, I know what goes on. <laughs> so it's fun, but I think, you know, for me personally, I'm, I would consider myself a creative person, absolutely. Mm. And I love working with creative people. And I love thinking outside the square and doing things differently and, you know, moving things around because if I can't do that, I don't think I could be in this job mm. because that's the way that I operate, you know, and I've got a lot of people around me who are just like that. Um, people definitely say, Kate, slow down and um, say, no, 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 that's not going to work. And I go, yeah, you're probably right. Um, so that's all good. As long as we have that feedback, I'm happy with that. Do, do you like, is it hard to take? You know, normally you got the big, in, innovative, big picture like Elon Musk. This is what we're going to do and we're going to get there. Yeah. And then you got all these, these doubters that you need at a certain stage in the yeah. idea, but not when it's being created. Do you mitigate that in some way or do you just surround yourself with people that all think no, the same? No, I, I think doubters are great. Okay. Because what I look at it is like, I, so when I go think of an idea or a product or a service, I like thinking of all the negatives. So I like thinking of all the things that aren't going to work. And all the doubt is because if I can get through a doubt, I'm creating a solution which makes my product work even better. Okay. You see what I mean? So I bring on the doubters. Bring it. It's like a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, because what you're doing, you're making it even more robust. You're making it even better because you're, mm. you're eliminating all the problems right there. You're always, you're always going to have haters, right? Yeah. So I don't care. You know, if people have absolutely my team is your Kate, that is not going to work. It sucks. You know, I go, sometimes I go, yeah, maybe I've gone too far. Probably right. We'll put that on the, on the, you know, park that one for a while. So it doesn't sting? You don't like nah. go rock in a chair after you're like, oh, no, 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 no. What gets not. you then? What's your, what's your kryptonite? Um, distrust. I, I don't like not knowing. Mm. Like I'm a real, like, just tell me how it is. Which is why you're good at Straight reading Straight shooter. Yeah. Just tell me how it is. I don't like, um, when I don't have that upfront, really honest conversation. And that's with my staff too. You know, if you're not liking the job, totally cool. You know, if you need some help, come and let me know. I, I'm a, that's the kind of person I am. Don't sit behind there and have a whinge or a moan. My girls don't. My team doesn't. Well, they probably do, but you know, at times, but, um, I just, I'm just like, let's get it sorted. Let's get it fixed. If I can fix it, I'll do it. If I can't, I don't, I'll let you know. You see what I mean? So that's probably my biggest thing. Um, okay, so you yeah. create a culture of transparency and honesty to mitigate that. Everything. What do you do when someone's not part of that? Like, have you had those conversations? Yeah, they're out the door. They're out, they're gone. <laughs> Are they all contractors? That's a little, that's a little harsh. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. They learn to be that though. 
when you when you come into a, a culture like ours, um, you may come in with you know come from a different place that you haven't had that direct, open um, kind of feedback and robust conversations. And it might be a little shocking to start or you might think, whoa, this is not what I'm used to because my uh, my last boss wasn't like that. He sat, he or she sat behind a door and a glass closed and didn't come out, which is not me at all. I sit right smack in the middle of everything. I yell across the office. We all talk to each other. This is how we all work and they know what's going on in my life personally and professionally and it, it's the way that I am. Um and we're all like that. So you're either going to buy into a company like that or a culture like that and be part of it, or it's going to make you feel really uncomfortable. And the team will know you're not being truthful and honest, and it will, it will just be weird. Mm. So it, it takes time to kind of um, be part of something like that. But when you are, it's awesome because you just got everyone's backs. Makes sense. Well, there's parts to that. So initially, when you've got your your small team, mm-hmm. you're you're making this huge impression on them, yeah. And then you start to reach a certain level of scale, That's right. and you need to have those the individual pockets still communicating the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. Was there points where the culture sort of got weighed in a certain area, or how if it didn't, how did you make sure it didn't? Um, it has. So okay. when obviously you know I had a I had a group of consultants that were with me for a long, long time, and I'm talking over a decade, um, where we're kind of literally, honestly, growing up together. You know, we'd kind of like being single, got married, had kids, got divorced, moved on. No, <laughs> the whole shebang. Um, and then they, I guess a group of them, you know, they all started doing their own thing. They all started having multiple children and life changed. And so they all went off in different directions, probably in a really short time frame. So I'd gone from a, a very solid, strong, cultural, everything about it to having to reinvent it all over again. Mm. Now, so I learned from that. I learned I cannot – Expect everyone to stay on for a long time. Yeah. There will be change. There will, and I, but I hadn't prepared for that change. So then I was scrambling, right? Mm. I had to backfill. And when you've got to backfill 10, 12 years of experience, that's a really, really hard thing to do. And that's not for one person. That's for probably multiple people. Yeah. Um, so I learned that once and learned not to do it again. So I've got constant, um, different ages and stages in the office. I'm constantly looking for new talent and new people coming on board. Um, we're opening up different divisions. So the business has grown um, from experience to different um, what we provide clients now. It's more diverse. You know, we've got different pockets of specialty. Um, and so and different ages and stages. And so it works really well. So I know that I've got to think about, okay, that person's been in that role for six, seven years where are they at? But that's where the communication is so key. Mm. So for me as a as a leader, I need to have those really strong conversations with my staff. How are you feeling? Where are you going? Are you still happy in your job? What do you need to be challenged? Um, what's frustrating you? What's making you love your job? And regularly, not just once a year. I'm talking like, you know, once I talk to them all the time, mm. you know, ups and downs. You know, if they're having something personally going wrong with them, go home, have a few days off, totally get it, you know, regroup. It's having that kind of empathetic understanding that knowing that you've got to if, I always believe that if home's good work's good you see what I mean if you've got stuff going at home sometimes it's really hard to leave things at the door because you just it just you know so I'd rather them just go home sort it out give them the space give them support um, and we'll look after everything internally until you get back do you like so that makes sense to me like if you've got a pocket of people because you can walk through and you obviously get a good read of people so you can get a gauge on he needs help. And mm-hmm. But when you reach, obviously, 30-plus staff, do mm-hmm. you have a, a systemized catch-up or how do you manage the fact mm-hmm. that – or you're just in it all the time and always looking? Because that, that can make a mistake. You know, If you're always intuitively helping people, yeah. you might forget old Dave in the corner or Sarah <laughs> in the – 
stare at the cafe that hasn't yeah, it's sold the, in a it's week. It's the quiet ones you got to watch. Yeah. You know, the quiet ones that don't complain or don't talk or the other ones you got to watch the most. You know, the other ones you've got to make an effort to go over and not just presume they're okay. Do you make yourself small and talk slower so they don't get no, overwhelmed? No, I talk about this all the time. Yeah, consistent. 100, 100 miles So you don't hour. do mirroring? Do you know mirroring and matching? Yeah, but I don't do that. You yeah. either go 100 miles, miles an hour or you're frigging just like, what, what, what? No, I do. I definitely slow down. <laughs> I definitely read the room. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, you know, what's it called? One of those things that kind of change whatever it is to kind of suit the thing. There's that animal that kind of whatever it was. But, um, you know, what's the animal that lives in a tree that changes colours to... Ah, yeah, uh, chameleon. Things. Yeah, chameleon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Always went blank there. Jeez, yeah. I feel your pain on that yeah. one. Yeah, I know. It's happening all the time now. It must be my age. Um, Do you have imposter syndrome at times then if you're always uh, um, adapting and being empathetic and trying to build the trust of those around you? No, I'm true to myself. Okay. I'm definitely true to myself. Okay, never... so it's just empathy as yeah, opposed it's just, to Yeah, it's just changing your style to suit the person you're talking to. Has that always been the case? Mm-hmm. Because obviously you're, you're 16, didn't have the great – Greatest of upbringing, have a certain distrust of mm-hmm. people when you mitigate that with honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. So is there, like, is it just that you don't surround yourself with people that you don't trust or is there a way, like... Um, That's a very interesting question. So it, it sounds really bad and it sound, and you can take it out of it. But but but, yeah, <laughs> but truthfully, I don't trust many people. Yeah, okay. That's the truth. Okay. You have to prove your worth to me. Got it. And it sounds really, but that's the way that I am. So they can't I'm, hurt you. I'm a you don't self let survivor. Yeah, you see what I mean. I'm one of these people. That's why I say you put me in a corner, I'll come out fighting because I I will make it happen. You know, I I, I guess it's just the way that I'm made up, my the way that I was brought up, um, and um, that's the kind of person that I am. And I've got some people in my business now that I would do anything for. Okay. Because they've been with me. Yeah. yeah, they've been with me a long time. I try. They're good people. They've got a good core. You know, they work hard. They've got my back, and I know, I know that. Um, but they're hard. People like that are hard to find. Mm. I mean, they are in life. I reckon it's really hard to find that kind of person. You know, I always feel like when you when I look back at some of the people that I've had going through the business, um, man, you know, you reflect and you think, whoa, you do. You mm. you see them for what they're worth when they leave. You know, you kind of know at the time, but. It makes it more obvious when they go. Mm. I come from the frame of mind that it's not so much trusting people, it's trusting that you'll be okay if something goes wrong. Yeah, same thing though, don't you think? Yeah, well, you, it sounds like your 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 stems from a, like um, you give them enough that in a point where it's not going to hurt you. So like if you put yourself out there completely vulnerable to someone you don't know, then you don't, might not feel in control. It might not feel that comfortable. It shouldn't yeah. be a psychological I know. breakdown here. I've actually did a bit of um, research on vulnerability because I did okay. a, I was watching those, those TED Talks and, you know, podcasts, and they're, they're quite good. And um, one of them was around, as a leader, you need to be show vulnerability, right? And I do actually think that's right. So on a couple of occasions, I'll throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, see, once oh, it's secured it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. like, and I have to say, people have come back really well every time. They've gone back, oh, that, thank you for sharing, or I really appreciate you letting us know that, or I totally understand where you're coming from. So it does make you feel good. It does make you realize that, okay, you don't have to be quite so staunch or quite so this, right? Um, but then the other side of me goes, well, you've got to lead the charge here. You've got to lead by example. You've got to set the scene. And so – there's that balance of being not a robot or a dictator because that's definitely not what you want to be, mm. but someone who's got that presence and someone who's got that leadership 
command and someone who knows that they can come to me and I'll make sure that they're looked after and taken care of. You see what I mean? And that that's how I feel. I, it's my responsibility to make sure that my staff members are personally and professionally taken care of. That's how I view it. Did you did you find it challenging to start creating that sort of leadership mindset? You know, like you're you're talking with authority and sometimes it could be misconstrued mm-hmm. in a certain way. And obviously you've been in the industry a while, so you've yeah. seen a lot of men dominated industries and yep. they might not be used to a, mm-hmm. a young woman telling them off and all this sort of thing. Did yep. you was there a, like a, a, a learning period or how you adapted or just straight away at work because you No, you it? learn you learn by failure. Okay. You know, you, you learn by um, I guess time and different personalities and I just over the years of managing like a lot of stuff, like you know, coming and going and you know, different personalities and different levels and everything you just know you've got to learn what makes people tick. You know, you've got to find out at the core what that person is about. What do they want? And what I try and do is, I do really try and do it is I listen to what they want and I try to understand where they're coming from. And I may not just agree. I may not agree with them all the time or I may not um, necessarily get it, but I try and put myself in that person's position. And then if I can accommodate and it makes sense and it's right for the business and it's right for both of us, I'll absolutely make it happen. You see mm. what I mean? So I try and manage people. Um, like we, we have the same expectations for the business across, right? So everybody knows our guidelines. But I believe that I want everyone to be individuals and do their own thing within the guidelines. So as long as I know what the parameters are and what my expectations are, you be you. Mm. That makes sense. So here, here's, here's the rule book in a sense, but you have the freedom to shape it how you want. Correct. And because you're coming from an empathetic place, when you get a little bit bossy, they understand that it's yeah, for their best. Yeah, I wrote them in. And they say that to me. Mm, Kate, you're probably right there. They'll actually say that. Okay. I needed to be roped a bit. I was probably, you know, they say that because they know I'll let them go and let them go. And all of a sudden I go, eh, eh, not was, happening. Was candid candid feedback quite hard initially? And usually empathetic people find it quite hard to say, hey, y'all, pull no, your head in. I think Just that like, you, you give as good as you get, don't you think? Yeah. You got I mean, if you're going to say to someone, listen... I mean, there's got to be a little, you've got to be on a level of respect, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You can't say, you know, some things you really you want to say. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you may think that, but you can't say that. Um, I've been Noted. in hot water a couple of times for doing that. Probably where um, I go wrong. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. So I think that, you know, if you're going to be direct with someone, you've got to make sure that you can have that direct feedback that as long as it comes from a business space, not a personal space, you don't, you don't, you're not there to criticize them personally. You're talking about what the reason, the, 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 what the problem is. Which is normally work performance or something that's going on internally. You see what I mean? Mm. And uh, I just got the cue from uh, NZ Audio editors, uh, consultant. Uh, consistently <laughs> with these podcasts, um, we end up on a tear that has nothing to do with finance. So don't worry, I'm oh, not going to ask you a finance oh, question. I'm actually, it's my worst subject. So oh, perfect. Good. Go for that. Don't worry, it's not about finance. <laughs> I'm a good about- CFO. <laughs> it's more, more reflective of what's important about money to you mm. or what's your version of financial freedom. Financial freedom for me is to have enough money for me to do anything I want. Okay. That's financial freedom. And that creates for me a level of creativity. So if I need to know, if I know that I've got, um, my finance are in order and sorted, then I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And it brings ideas because I've got no limits. Mm. Nothing's holding me back. Mm. Right. And I think sometimes, you know, when you don't have that behind you, those amazing ideas that people have, they can't necessarily put it into fruition or get it going because they don't have the money behind you, right? So you've got to create something to give you that foundation to allow you to be creative. Oh, well, for a for a subject that you weren't um, that knowledgeable about, you know. <laughs> and uh, as we wrap this up, what be interesting as well because um, 
obviously you've had this long career, you've had ups and downs, mm-hmm. and there's probably a young woman listening here that's probably has a question of, you know, what would be your advice to them? You know, what 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 if they were to go on a journey where they're mm-hmm. chasing their purpose or they might not see the end of the, the tunnel and yeah. they want to take a chance? Easy. That's an easy question. I think that for me is just try every opportunity. It doesn't matter if you fail. Failure, you will learn something. From, I have failed a gazillion times, and but I've learned from every failure. And sometimes it's not six months or six years down the track. I go, oh, that's why that didn't work. But it teaches you a lesson. So give everything a go, but listen to your gut. If it feels wrong, don't do it. So I'm a big gut believer. I'm some of these people that's got to sit well with me. It's got to feel right. There's always that like a little bit of like, oh, do I do it? I'll go for it. You see what I mean? Because you will learn from every opportunity. You'll learn from everything that you do. And eventually you will find your purpose and you'll find your core unless you've got a swivel. Good pitch. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, great. That was pitch. A pitch, thanks. Well, on that note, uh, people that want to look at swivel, how would they find the companies that you mentioned? Yeah, so yourself? just um, I've got a website. So Kate Ross is my website. And then obviously uh, Swivel Careers for Students is all on line and same with wise ones and kinetics so we're covered you're covered all right i'll put it in the description so if anyone wants to check it out you can click it thanks for having me thanks for coming no problems and thanks nz audio editors for making us sound good.com type in google look it out he's got other ones got a book of mine you should buy it it's only what two dollars 99 we dropped it yeah all right thanks